Hi, everyone. I'm attorney Donna DiMaggio-Berger, and this is Take It to the Board, where we speak condo and HOA. A visit to my local park confirmed my suspicions about pickleball. I saw two dozen courts packed with people playing and waiting to play. So I did a little research and confirmed that pickleball is indeed the fastest growing sport across the U.S., according to U.S. Pickleball. A year ago, the sport had 5 million players, and today those numbers have climbed to 9 million. According to a 2022 report by the Sports and Fitness Industry Association, pickleball is now played by almost as many people aged 65 and older in 2021 as it is by people between the ages of 6 and 17. Athletic wear labels, including Fila, Nike, and K-Swiss, have marketed clothes and accessories for pickleball, and newer brands like Recess, Lux, and Tangerine have largely built their businesses around pickleball. Even Venus Williams has gotten into the act with a selection of garments called The Pickleball Edit on her 11 by Venus Williams website. Our guest today is going to help this podcast host figure out the appeal of this sport. C.A. Masana is the Director of Instruction and Corporate Events for Phantom Pickleball. Before transitioning to pickleball, C.A. played tennis for more than 50 years. He was captain of the Florida Atlantic University men's college team from 1987 to 1989 and also competed in the NCAA Men's Tennis Doubles Championship in 1989. After his college tennis career, C.A. became a USPTA certified tennis professional. In 2019, he found and immediately fell in love with the game of pickleball and has since become an IFP certified pickleball instructor. Not only does he love pickleball, but he is a popular coach and he's also part of Phantom's paddle testing team. We're going to find out more about that later. So CA, welcome to Take It to the Board. Thank you, Donna. Thanks for having me. I think the goal here is to make me a pickleball enthusiast by the end of this episode. You think you're up to that challenge? Absolutely. I can absolutely make that happen for you. <laughs> well, many people describe pickleball as a cross between tennis, badminton, and ping pong. Is that an accurate description? I think it is. You know, coming from a tennis background, it was very easy to make the transition into pickleball. There's a lot of different things that associate with ping pong, the angles of the shots and so forth. The only really transition from uh, badminton to pickleball is the size of the court. I've never played badminton actively, but uh, the size of the court is actually the same. So I've played tennis. I've played all three of those sports. I've played tennis. I've played badminton. I've played ping pong. I particularly like ping pong. Why? Wh- who felt the need to combine these things? into one sport. What's the origin of pickleball? Yeah, sure. The origin took place um, back in 1965, which is amazing to me because growing up, I played every sport available to man. And and this sport came out of nowhere. I just found it in, in 2019, as you mentioned in the intro. Um, it was started by by three gentlemen. They were vacationing with their families in Bainbridge Island, Washington, and they needed something to do. They had a bunch of kids and they were running out of things to do to keep the kids busy. There was an old pickleball court on the property and they grabbed a couple of ping pong paddles and an old wiffle ball and started pickleball. It's, it's really, really been under the radar for quite some time, but now it's really making a, uh, a statement here in the, in the sports industry. But you said there was a pickleball court on the property. So did it precede them or, or that it just so happens that there was a court that fitted the purposes for this I, game they kind of made up? It was a badminton court. It was a badminton oh, it was court. Yes. Badminton court. Yes. So why the weird name Pickleball? Where does Pickle come in? So there's a couple a couple of stories about the name. Evidently, one of the uh, originators of the sport had a dog named Pickles. So there was that talk that it came from the name of the dog and brought it into the sport. But I researched it a little further. And actually, on the property, it was on a lake. And... There's uh, there was a crew station there where they rode crew and one of the boats involved in the crew team is called the pickle boat. The dog did not come into play. 
until 1968. So, but everyone likes the dog, uh, dog ramification there. Uh, but it really is comes from the pickle boat involving in crew racing. It's certainly a catchy name it's, and, and it's memorable, but I'm sure we have some listeners that don't know about the, the rules of the game. And by the way, I have played pickleball. I went to an introductory lesson and still I could not tell you that I un- thoroughly understand the rules. So can you kind of walk us through the rules of the game? Certainly. Actually, it's not the rules that are that difficult. It's the scoring because there's okay. three numbers involved in the scoring. Okay. Um, so that can become a little bit tough to handle, but the rules are similar to tennis there. You know, there's, it's a lined court. Um, you start with a serve just as tennis, you serve underhand in pickleball. There's no overhand serve as in tennis. So you put the ball into play diagonally, just as you would in tennis, the serve has to bounce on the other side of the net. And then the returner has to hit the ball back to the server. And that uh, shot also has to bounce. So there's a two bounce rule they refer to. So the two first shots of the point, the ball has to bounce. After that, you can advance to the net, hit balls in the air, just as you would with tennis. And then, you know, the the point is done when somebody doesn't get the ball on one bounce or the ball goes into the net or it's hit outside of the uh, outside of the court, the white lines. And I love the underhand serving because I've always had a problem with overhand serving in tennis. But the bouncing is what trips me up. Okay. And and you know, I'm going to ask you about the kitchen, but the bouncing trips me up. So if I hit it on the fly and I don't let it bounce, you said two bounces, right? To start right, back forth twice. So then what happens? There's a point against me or? Yeah, you'd lose that point. So the scoring is, the scoring is such, it's similar to, to volleyball. You can only score points when your team is serving. And and there is a singles, you can play singles one-on-one as in tennis, but the majority, the very vast majority of games are played with doubles with four people on the court, two versus two. So you put the serve into play, hit it over the net, it bounces, your opponent hits the ball back to you, you have to let their shot bounce, and then you can proceed to the net. And what you mentioned uh, previously about the kitchen, there's a line that's seven feet away from the net, and there's a line drawn there, and you cannot step on that line or go into the kitchen unless the ball bounces in there so you can go in and retrieve the ball. All right, so there is a separation between the net and the area where the, the players can play. It's really a good a, a good rule. Um, these guys who put this game together really thought it out pretty well. Uh, it, it's a very fast-paced game when you're at the net. You're only you're 14 feet away from your opponents, seven mm-hmm. on your side, seven on the other side between the kitchen, and, and it becomes very, very competitive. Why why the name The Kitchen? Again, we've got pickles, we've got... We've got the kitchen. Yes. Were the, I mean, maybe these guys were hungry when they came up with this game. Yeah, I don't I think know. More, I think they might have been drinking a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> they they might have been hungry. But, uh, you know, to come up with all these these, these, little, these names and rules, uh, very, very creative. Let's put it that way. So from what I'm hearing, there's nothing that really seems like ping pong except the paddles, right? Because the scoring is completely different. It's not as if one side gets to keep, you know, scoring. You keep serving until you lose the point. Correct. Exactly right. Just, yes. just like in tennis. Yes. So walk us through the rackets. Are the rackets okay. the size of ping pong? First off, we have to correct you because they're called paddles. And okay. that is a glaring issue when people come to the court and the, can I use your racket? Okay. You may not. You may try my paddle. Okay. So that's one thing. Right. That, that just screams newbie. All right. We don't want to be a newbie because we're trying to bring you. I appreciate that. Okay. I appreciate that. All right. So they're paddles. Um, they're a little bit larger than a ping pong paddle. They're more of like a paddle ball paddle. Maybe back in the day, I know you grew up down here in South Florida, might've seen that, that sport on the beach paddle ball. So it's a little bit bigger, about half the size, half the length of a tennis racket. So it does take some getting used to when you're coming from tennis to, to pickleball because the paddle is half the size. We play with a wiffle ball, an old fashioned plastic ball that has 40 holes in it. So the, the, the wind is a very big part of pickleball when you're playing outdoors. 
and, and then really just a, a court shoe, you know, like a tennis court shoe. Um, I, we, we try not to suggest a running shoe because of the, the, the angle of the sole. It might catch the side of the court and you might tumble. We see that a lot. So a nice tennis shoe, court shoe would be a great, a great part of the equipment. Let's go back to the wind. You cannot play if it's too windy, given the equipment you're using. Well, people that play pickleball become addicted to the sport. So I've seen people out there in 30 mile an hour winds chasing balls like it wouldn't be appealing to me, but a lot of people that play in the wind. But it absolutely is part of the game. Um, you know, say, for instance, the wind is behind you on one court. And, and by the way, most courts, uh, they face north and south. So you're not looking into the sun in the morning, similar to tennis. Uh, so you're not looking into the sun in the morning or in the afternoon as the sun is setting. So the wind can be very much a factor in the game if the wind was, say, behind you. If, if there's a 15 mile an hour wind and you're hitting the ball, you know, we'll call that downwind, that, that ball could travel an additional four feet. Whereas if you're hitting into the wind, that ball would do the opposite and, and you'd have to hit it much harder to, to get it over the net. It would probably uh, reduce the amount of, of distance you'd hit by three or four feet. So the wind is very much mm-hmm. important. And then a crosswind will move the ball, you know, left or right, depending on the direction of the wind. So I have to correct you. I did not grow up in South Florida. I oh. grew up in I grew up in Chicago and okay. we played at the Chicago Racket Club. Oh, so the indoor the indoor courts. By the way, remember racquetball? So it's kind of interesting because I look at that and I look at the rackets we used and they were obviously different than than tennis rackets. Sure. But um are there any indoor pickleball courts? There are and they're becoming popular. Um and speaking of the, the racquetball theme, so the, the pickleball paddle is more the size of a racquetball racket. So that would be a great, uh, great analogy there. Um, yes, there are indoor courts uh, that are available. Um, a lot of the municipalities uh, are, are transforming some of their gymnasiums into pickleball courts. Um, there's some courts here in Fort Lauderdale that Salvation Army runs. They have a gymnasium where they they open it up and they put three pickleball courts inside the gymnasium and it's open to the public. They can play there in the mornings and so forth. Uh, And and obviously that's very, very attractive. No wind, air conditioning Mm -hmm. and a controlled environment. So that's becoming very popular as well. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to down here in South Florida. We have very, very rainy summers, not to mention humid and, and, and all the rest bugs and everything else. I would think that the indoor courts would make sense. But, you know, all these years I've been down here, there's no indoor tennis courts. It's it's a matter of of the price to put something together like that. It's it's very hard to recoup your investment because mm-hmm. you know it's a, a large space and there's only well in pickleball you know we, we get four people on the court. Sometimes in tennis it's only two, so right. it becomes very uh, you know price sensitive to people that want to play indoors. So CA, what is the what's the difference uh, dimensions between the tennis court and the pickleball court? Sure, a pickleball court is 20 feet wide by 44 feet long, uh, and a tennis court is 78 feet long by 36 inches wide. So just to give you a perspective on that, if you had one tennis court, uh, you know, rectangle tennis court with a fence, you could, you could essentially put four pickleball courts on that same one tennis court. And and the, and the, Mm -hmm. you know, thing about that is you can get 16 people playing pickleball four on each court, as opposed to four people playing tennis. So the transition is sometimes very uh, appealing to property owners and so forth to get more people playing on that same amount of space. Well, you know, this podcast is called Take It to the Board, right? And our theme is everything pertaining to community associations. So I want to pick up on what you just said. In a lot of my communities, um, look, in a lot of them are older communities that were designed with amenities that may not be as attractive these days, like bocce ball courts or shuffleboard, things that no developers are building today. We've got a lot of these communities that are making material alterations and they're changing some of those amenities. They're actually 
reducing in some cases tennis courts and adding pickleball courts. And obviously these are material alterations. Uh, these boards need to speak to association council about how they legally do that. But from this, what you just mentioned, it can become a problem in some of the communities because you've got more people using the amenities. And I've, you know, had some complaints about the nuisance factor in terms of the noise. I guess part of it is what you just said. You could have 16 people playing on courts where you would normally have four people playing tennis or maybe eight people playing tennis. Is pickleball inherently a, a noisier sport than tennis? I knew we were going to go that route, Tana. <laughs> I have some information to, to, let's just say, add, not support or defend, but just add to this to this conversation. So I, I looked online and there was a study done by a, a doctor out of George Washington University about the noise level and the decibels. He got real technical on it, okay? He found out that pickleball, the decibel noise level is 45 decibels. And, and pickleball happened to be 10 decibels louder. Okay. So it is a little bit louder, but I guess the EPA has a number of, of, of 55 that becomes a nuisance and that impacts health and wellness. Okay. So it falls under that number. However, the, the other part of that was the philosophy of did people care for the sound? Like there's sounds that happen all day long. Let's say the, the gentleman cutting the grass at the at the condo or the association, wherever the, the housing development, right? That they know that's going to be noisy. That's an annoying sound, right? But okay, the grass has to be cut. But for people to go in with maybe a, a closed mind on pickleball, um, you know, that becomes a nuisance. That sound. They're not genuinely in, in love with that sound. For people that like pickleball, that sound is not annoying. But for people that don't know the sport or, you know, haven't been experienced to it, it, it becomes a nuisance. I guess it also depends, CA, in, in terms of the length of hours that the association is allowing people to play. If you're allowing people to play up until 11 at night and the courts are close to the units or the homes, that could become an issue. So, CA, are there different surfaces for a pickleball court like there are for tennis, like hard surface, clay, grass? There are different surfaces. However, clay and grass are not part of them. Um, you know, a hard tennis court like asphalt with a painted surface is, is probably the most popular, definitely the most popular. As we mentioned, playing indoors, they play on a gym floor, which could be made out of wood uh, or a, a rubberized surface in some, some gymnasiums. Uh, so those are the most popular. And they do have a, a rubberized surface that sort of uh, comes together like a puzzle. They connect like one by one by one foot squares and they make a, like a, a court out of that. So those are the main, the main surfaces in pickleball. You mentioned it's like a wiffle ball, the ball, correct? Yes, it is. And it bounces differently. What what's the what's the bouncier surface for pickleball? Um, the bouncier surface would be would be outdoors on the on the concrete and the asphalt. Mm -hmm. There's actually a different ball that's used when they play indoors um, because the the surface uh, is different. So the ball that's indoors is a softer pickleball and it has larger holes. Um, I would say maybe the holes are just a little bit smaller than a than a dime. So they're a little bit you know a little bit bigger holes. Whereas the pickleball that's used outdoors, if you took uh, a pencil like the size of an eraser on a pencil, that would be the size of the hole, the holes on the ball on the out in the outdoor uh, surface. So I mentioned in the introduction, according to those reports, the industry reports, there's a pretty broad appeal across many demographics for pickleball. But you know, you're out there, you're coaching, you're teaching, you're playing. What are the demographics that you see? Is it more popular amongst one age group than another? Initially, the appeal was to the older folks. I would say the the 65 and over crowd. It was definitely pickleball was the old person sport. That that demographic is 
absolutely changed. As you mentioned in, in your intro, um, the, 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 the most fastest growing area is from age 14 to 24. All right. So that is really, really taking off. And in, in my personal experience, I teach an after school program where I have 30, uh, second and third and fourth and fifth graders that are learning the sport and they're, they're in love with it. They, they love to play. The only downside of that is once they get involved in the game, the, the number of court and court availability is certainly going to drop and that's going to become an issue for, for all pickleball players. So we've, we've got a, a big job ahead of us to try to increase the number of courts for people to play. I went to lunch the other day. I ran into a friend and she's wearing a, like a brace on her wrist and her arm. And I said, what happened? And she said, pickleball. So my question is, I always hear that pickleball is less strenuous than tennis. And you said it started out as an older person's sport, perhaps because there was less movement, perhaps the perception of less risk of injury, but it seems like it's possible to get injured playing pickleball. What types of injury are common with this sport? No, you're very right. Um, there's, there's some wrist issues. We've got tennis elbow, we'll call that pickleball elbow. The real problem with that is the more people that are playing, the more people are going to get hurt. And a lot of pickleball players haven't been active, right? They're not active folks. They heard, oh, it's an older sport. You know, oh, my friend's playing it. I'm going to go give it a try. So they haven't been in in an athletic mode, let's call it. So they come out and they've got a calf strain or their their knee starts hurting. So it's not a strenuous sport per se, but when you start something new, anything can happen. And I I think that's where a lot of the injuries uh, take place. And and I have a couple of orthopedic surgeon friends of mine, by the way, who love pickleball. Um, And we we can imagine. Wait, wait, wait. Do they love it because it brings them patience or they love it personally to play it? You said it, Tana. They they, they do get some new patience. So the, the, the real thing they tell me with most of the injuries, especially the muscular injuries, is that it's based on dehydration. People are not drinking enough water. Therefore, their muscles become brittle, strain, stretch, tear. So I'm always encouraging my students to drink lots of water. And even, you know, like most athletes, if they're going to be performing the next day, the time to hydrate is the night before uh, to get that hydration into your body so you don't become dehydrated. It's very hot, especially down here in South Florida. So a lot of the injuries are taking place to dehydration. I assume it's like any other sport that the healthier you are personally, the better you're going to perform in that sport. Agreed. 100%. Don't underestimate it. And you're right. In terms of playing in South Florida, it's extremely hot here. You know, maybe you don't want to play in the, you know, midday. Take that into account. But those are really good tips. Is pickleball popular around the globe, CA, or is it mostly here in North America? No, it's growing with leaps and bounds worldwide. The IFP, as you mentioned earlier, which is the International Federation of Pickleball, uh, it's a, a global organization, now has 61 member nations throughout the world. And there is a lot of talk about pickleball becoming an Olympic sport as early as 2028. So it's absolutely catching on worldwide. Uh, and I, it's funny, I had predicted that probably a year ago before I did any research on this, that it could be very possible that 2828 is, is around the corner and pickleball may be a part of that. Do you think we'll ever see Roger Federer transition to pickleball? It's funny you mentioned that, Donna. <laughs> This weekend, as a matter of fact, here in Plantation, Florida, we have four tennis stars from the past, John McEnroe, Andy Roddick, Michael Chang, and Andre Agassi playing in a tournament down here at the Hard Rock Hotel in in Hollywood, Florida. This weekend? This weekend. April 2nd. I am leaving town, but, but you know, my better half, he, he would be there in a flash. I'll have to tell him when we finish taping. You should, you should. Wow. Wow. So we, so we may very well see that. I, you know, that fascinates me because given the popularity of the sport, and I mentioned in the intro, we've got designers actually designing clothing lines. I'm wondering if we're going to get big names in pickleball, if we're going to start knowing the top pickleball players. Uh, we certainly will. And, and most of the top, like, the top, I would say the top 10 pickleball players 
in the world came from tennis. Some of them, you know, playing professional tennis didn't make it to the, you know, household name status, but they came from division one tennis players, professional tennis players that are making the transition. Maybe they're in their, you know, late twenties, early thirties, and you still have a long way to go in pickleball. So uh, it's, it's happening for sure. So you may not know this CA, but um, pickleball is not my, my passion. Fashion is actually my passion. And I kind of wove that into the introduction to this episode by mentioning that there are designers that are designing pickleball clothing lines that fascinated me. I've heard that players can't wear the same bright yellow color as the plastic yellow ball. Is that true? It absolutely is true. And it's a very good rule because the ball would blend into the shirt and you'd have a tough time picking the ball up. So it was really a good rule that they enacted to make it a little bit easier to see the ball. So just to satisfy my passion for fashion, what do you see on the courts? Are there any other rules about pickleball appropriate clothing? Have you ever had to throw somebody out for not being appropriately clothed on the pickleball court? No, no, that's not going to happen. The fashionistas haven't really entered into the sport. (laughs) So we'll give you a ring once that starts happening, Donna. So it's a it's a t-shirt and, and a pair of gym shorts and a and a pair of tennis shoes. Uh you know, a lot of the paddle companies themselves uh are, are doing a lot of the clothing, obviously sponsorship with their names and their different paddles. Phantom for for one has a has a great line of t-shirts and, and tanks for the ladies. But it's not as as fashion sensitive as it will. Not be. as fashion for well, you'll just you'll keep me out of it. You you know yeah. you don't want, you don't want us invading your sport. See, you just mentioned the tournament at the Hard Rock. Um, what kind of other pickleball tournaments and, and associations are out there? Oh, there there's uh, there's two main associations: the PPA and the APP. Uh, these are the two governing bodies of of, of tournaments uh, per se, and 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 they've hired or not hired. They've they've signed a bunch of pickleball players to play in their tournaments. So it, there's a little bit of comp, not a little bit. There's competition between those two entities to to sign the best players and get them playing in in their tournaments. But a, a pickleball tournament is, is totally different from what you think of a a tennis tournament. When they host a pickleball tournament, there's a, a professional side of that tournament. And there's also an amateur side of the tournament. So so Joe Blow and his buddy could hop in there and play this tournament where. Let's say two of the biggest names in, in pickleball would be, you know, Ben Johns and uh, Zane Navarro. Let's say so. These guys are battling for for prize money, but yet, you know, um, you know, Joey and his buddy are out there playing on those same courts in that same tournament. So it's it's a really unique concept to bring the amateurs and the pros together playing on the same courts at the essentially the same time. Are there companies like Fila and Nike that are sponsoring? pickleball players in the professional yes. portion of the um, tournaments? Fila is is more so involved with Nike. Um, Nike's been a little slow to the table. I'm not quite sure, but Fila's on board. They have the number one ranked uh, female player, uh, Annalie Waters, is under their under their umbrella, and she does a great job repping the repping the brand. She wears sort of your fashionista type stuff, bright pinks and really colorful items. And, and she's only 16 years old, and she's she's just dominating the sport as a 16 year old. I mean, it sounds like we're well on the way to having pickleball being as celebrated at some point as tennis is. Is that a fair is that a fair assumption? It might be a stretch. I, I'd like for it to be. I mean, tennis is, you know, I came from tennis, as you mentioned in the intro, I played 50 years, 50 plus years. It's a really, I would consider it an elegant sport, right? The, the motion of those tennis players, the, the fluidity and things like that, it's great. Pickleball, it's, it's on a smaller court. Things happen a lot faster. The motions sometimes aren't as graceful, um, but it's, it's certainly celebrated. I just don't know. I mean, tennis has been around, you know, a really long time and it's got, you know, it's built its way there too. I'm sure when it was starting out, it was, 
it wasn't obviously didn't have the status that it has now. Is but tennis you, you said graceful and, and and elegant? I agree with you. Is tennis also seen as the more elite sport than pickleball? It could be. Um, you know, the the word that you used egalitarian uh, earlier was was a funny word for me to describe pickleball. But uh, but I see where you're going with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to make its way. Pickleball is going to find its way. It's got a niche. Um, you know, tennis players are anti pickleball for the most part until they get out there and play. And then they're like, Ooh, this is pretty neat. So, um, it'll, it'll make its, it'll make its way. It'll make its way. There's not really a lot of barriers to entry to playing pickleball in terms of costs. Is there? No, you're right. Um, you could pick up a, you know, a a beginner paddle for $30, uh, you know, on Amazon and, and, you know, grab a couple balls and a pair of shoes and you're on your way. Uh, most of the municipalities, uh, court, courts are free. Uh, it's just an easy sport to start. You, you literally could the first day walk up there and, you know, drop your paddle on the little paddle holder. And when it's your turn to play, you hop in there and play. Um, it, it might be a little difficult to navigate that way. Uh, I, as an instructor, obviously like for, you know, my folks to come in and, and, and get a little grasp of the game before they hop into the, the mainstream, because it can be a little cutthroat at, at, at some time. So it's good to get a little bit of, of training before you, before you hop on, hop on the court. I mean, do you think that's what makes the sport so popular, CA, is that there's really not a lot of barriers to entry? Definitely, definitely. And even if you wanted to start, if you were at a, a, a community where it had a tennis court, you could grab your pickleball paddle on a pickleball and hit the ball over the net. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a pickleball court until you get, you know, get your get your wits about you. So it's very easy. You could go out in the middle of the street and hit the ball, pickleball back and forth. Uh, it's funny during COVID, I have a large driveway at my house and I converted it to a pickleball court. So I had a pickleball court on my driveway during COVID when everything was shut down. I saw, I, I remember that. Didn't you post some things on, on social? I did. I did. Yeah. I wanted to, well, I wanted to ask you about that. You know, you transitioned from being an avid tennis player into an equally, you know, avid pickleball player. What caused you to make that change? It was funny. My my wife was meeting with a couple of girlfriends and they started taking a, a pickleball clinic from a gentleman who was teaching at, at our local courts. And there was 10 of them and one instructor. And she came home one day and said, CA, would you mind hitting us some balls so we can get a little bit more activity instead of one instructor for 10 ladies? I said, yeah, I'd be happy to. I don't know what I'm, I don't know pickleball, but I'm, I'm certain I can hit you some balls. So I go out there and take a look around and there's happened to be some young guys playing and it looked very competitive to me. And I was like, Hmm, that, that, that's interesting. So I, I, I got a paddle and I went out there and started playing. And, and from that moment on, I was hooked and I, I was literally playing competitive tennis with my, my college buddies and friends, uh, three to four times a week. And I say, once I started playing pickleball, I might've played tennis three times since. I was so going to ask just, you that. Do you still play tennis? You I don't. do not. I do not. I do not. I really just. You know, you look at the size of the court. I mean, I'm in my late fifties. You look at the size of the pickleball court. It's a quarter of the size of a tennis court. Uh, it's very appealing to me. <laughs> that court is a very, very attractive size and, and the motion and, uh, you know, being a pretty big guy I can handle the, the, the size of the court very easily. So I've had um, ACL replacement from a skiing accident and I'm always very, and I also had ankle surgery. So I've had all sorts of sports injuries. I'm always a little nervous playing tennis with the back to back and forth motion on the knee. I, I imagine it's a little less. I'm a little less concerned when I play pickleball with my uh, knee. I, I agree with that. You know, there's just less court to cover, less, there's less of everything, but there's plenty of competition and, 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 the, and the, the combativeness of the sport is, is enticing. I, I really love it. It's fun. 
So I mentioned in the intro that you were part of the paddle testing team at Phantom. Uh, what's so what's on the horizon for pickleball paddles? Well, just better materials and lighter and, and uh, the face of the paddle. They they, they refer to the uh, as grit, meaning uh, let's say if you had a ping pong paddle that has like the sandpaper paddle on ping pong. Uh, we don't use sandpaper per se, but it's a carbon fiber finish that has a little bit of grit to it. So it'll grab the ball and you can create better spins. And then, and then the carbon fiber is the newest materials that, um, you know, when that ball hits a carbon fiber paddle, it jumps off there with a lot of velocity. So, um, there's always, there's always a better paddle to be made. This is a real society of people who play pickleball, right? Anywhere you go, you meet somebody and if they also play pickleball, do you feel like you have something in common with them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, where do you play? And, and the first thing, like there's lots of, uh, similar to tennis, there's a level, there's a rating system. So, oh, are you a 3.0? Do you play 5.0? Do you play this? So there's always something to talk about pickleball. And, uh, you know, once you get a pickleball person started, they never stop talking about the sports. I didn't know there was a rating. So is there also a handicapping system like golf? No, there isn't. There's just a rating system. So when these tournaments take place, you have your rating. And the more tournaments you play, they track your your, your progress and, and you move up in rankings as your uh, as your skill level improves. But there's not a handicapping system per se. So what are your top tips to turn someone into a fantastic pickleball player? Easy entry, very social. We didn't mention that. I mean, many, many friendships have been found on the pickleball courts and, and clubs, pickleball clubs. Um, you know, that that's a really appealing thing. Uh, when before COVID, a lot of the people that play at our local courts Let's say on a Friday night, they'd play, play for a while and then go out and have a drink or a bite to eat afterwards. The camaraderie of the game, again, the easy entry, the ease of the sport. Uh, again, I could bring any, any person out there and within, you know, after the first half hour, they'll be smiling, having fun and, and, and enjoying themselves. You know, I may take you up on that. That sounds like a challenge. CA. Let's do it, Donna. <laughs> also, I think I've seen some people playing pickleball while they are imbibing on the side. Haven't seen that. <laughs> okay. You haven't not, seen not that. Not that I'm admitting. <laughs> My final question is, what do the initial CA stand for? Charles Arthur. Char- that's okay. Is this going to shock any of your friends who listen to this episode? Probably because I didn't <laughs> care for the name Arthur for a long time. So for the first 15 years of my life, I told him my middle name was Anthony. <laughs> that might be a little bit of a shock, but it's 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 time now. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And like I said, I'm going to take you up. I'm going to give I'm going to give pickleball another look. I'm ready when you are. Thanks so much, CA. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow and rate us on your favorite podcast platform or visit TakeItToTheBoard.com for more ways to connect.